Hi, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me Downstairs. I'm your host and fellow mom, Britt, and I'm very excited to be sharing this stage with you. We are going to get real and honest about the different dimensions of postpartum life. We are going to be joined by a mixture of moms and experts in the field to discuss things like getting back into the actual act of sex with your partner, reawakening the joy of intimacy within yourself, the identity shift of motherhood, different ebbs and flows of relationships, and everything else in between. This podcast is dedicated to moms and our core purpose is to make sure that we are always honoring the woman within the mother. This forum is a place for us just to get together and discuss topics that may not be so easy to do in everyday life. So without further ado, let's get to it and I'll meet you downstairs. Happy Monday! Monday, as per usual, is new episode day. And this episode is with the wonderful Allison Villa, who is a registered psychotherapist and relationship expert. Amen. I love this. Like, I love her information. She is the founder of House and Hook which is an online platform that specializes in keeping couples thriving throughout parenthood because if you have kids, you know that the new dynamic that they bring in can bring up all kinds of stuff in your relationship. And she just helps to bring awareness to that and help you communicate through it and identify the different things that are going on in your relationship. She does therapy virtually, which is amazing in this day and age. She has retreats, workshops. She also has a free self-care toolkit. She's a big advocate for self-care. And I'll put all of that information in the episode bio. So I won't go on too much more. It's an incredible episode. I really hope you enjoy it. And I wish you all a wonderful and happy Monday. Welcome everyone to another episode of Meet Me Downstairs. I am very excited to bring this episode to you because we are joined by Allison Villa, who is a registered psychotherapist and a mom. So Allison, just give us a quick introduction of you and your family, and um, then we'll get into it. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here having this conversation with you, Britt. Uh, and I love the name of your podcast, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's such a great name. It's a little tongue in cheek, you know, just wanted to have fun with it because, you know, yeah. <laughs> we need some, we need some fun in motherhood. I think it's, it's so great. It's really well, well designed. I love it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I am a mom of two. Um, our daughters are six and eight. And my husband and I, you know, as a therapist and a mom, I found the two worlds, my professional life and my personal life colliding when we became parents, because the conversations that I was having with clients and then the conversations I was having in the playground were starting to overlap. And because I was around parents, a lot of parents and the conversations that I was having were really, I tend to attract very honest, real conversations with people in all aspects of my life. And those conversations were about, oh my gosh, our relationship has changed so much since having kids. How about yeah. you? What's happening? What's happening with you guys? And, and I realized, you know, this is so common for parents. And I don't just mean new parents. Yes, it starts when we're new parents, but then 
if it hasn't been acknowledged in, you know, those early days or years of parenthood, it lingers even until we see, you know, uh, when kids leave the nest and that empty nest syndrome happens when kids go off to school or move out on their own. So it's so present. And I thought, I really need to normalize this. And how can I help parents? So that's why I founded House and Hook com, which is an online platform devoted entirely to helping parents focus on their romantic relationship after having kids. And everything can be accessed virtually, free resources and tools and courses and memberships, but everything is online because as a therapist myself, I love therapy. I've been doing my own therapy for many, many years, but in those first years, when we became parents, we tried going to couples therapy and it's so difficult to get there because of scheduling and babysitters and what ages are your kids and are they nursing? What time are they going to bed? And it was just such a hurdle, so many hurdles to get into the room with a couples therapist that I thought I'm, I'm myself in a therapist and I'm having trouble getting there. So I know that this is a struggle for you know, other parents too. So that's how House and Hook was born. Amazing. I love it. I love that so much. And, you know, especially in these times as well, it's um, really trying to, to be in your relationship, being around your partner 24 seven, and, you know, even just having a space to go to online where you guys can, you know, discuss and find comfort in a therapist from wherever the world you are, it just makes it that much easier to feel like your relationship is in a safe place. So I just thank you for doing this work and for bringing your honesty and vulnerability to your clients. Like it's just so cool to be able to have that. So um, I'm really, I've honestly been really looking forward to this conversation. I was talking to my partner today on the phone because he's not here with me right now. And I just said, Oh my gosh, tonight's tonight. I'm talking to Allison. You better watch <laughs> out because when you get home, we're booking a session with her. So. <laughs> uh, that's so great. <laughs> but um, yeah, so houseandhook.com, everybody, please check that out. And I'll also link that in the bio and on social media so that everybody can find you as well. Um, so I think maybe we can just talk a little bit about uh, my guest. I mean, yeah, you kind of just mentioned everything, but when you're new parents, things are shifting so much in your relationship. Like, you know, beforehand, there's this sense of unity, not that that goes, but I think when a new human is brought into the mix, all the energy and attention is now placed on this person, mm -hmm. that it's really easy to kind of forget the space that you're in. Um, and I mean, I know we'll get into all of all of that stuff when it comes to parenting, but perhaps maybe we can just talk about relationships in general. And, you know, typically, what are the kind of things that you see in relationships that cause um, friction? Yeah, this is a great question. Because when a new baby comes into your world, you are having and starting a new love affair. You both are. And it's a new person. It's a new relationship. And it takes time to get to know your baby. It takes time to get to know yourself in this relationship. Each of you, and I mean the two adults, not the baby, um, you know, each parent, we each have our own sense of self. And our sense of self changes when we have a child. Yeah, like your sense of self is how you identify uh, 
your place in the world. So even if you think about if you think about uh, your relationships with friends or family, your relationship to yourself, like to your body, to your lifestyle, to your work or career, to uh, there's so many aspects, right? These all of these pieces make up our sense of self, and when you are now the main caregiver of this beautiful being that sense of responsibility and your whole primal instinct kicks in to make that baby your priority, right? Yeah. Your your brain is designed to put your baby's survival even above your own, uh, which is really interesting to note and be aware of because we, like we often wonder like, why, why can't I go make some time for myself? Everyone says I should make time for myself, but the reality is your brain is not helping you to do that. Your brain's purpose in especially in those early months of motherhood and obviously all through your pregnancy, your brain's main purpose is to make sure that your baby survives and that your your baby can thrive. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that interesting? It is incredible because it's like and it happens overnight. Cause some for me I found pregnancy um I mean, I loved pregnancy, but it was still hard to connect to the idea that a child was growing. It was still very like foreign. Mm-hmm. And then overnight you go into labor and you have a baby and immediately you're like, oh my goodness, this is it. I have to like, everything is going to you right now. Yeah. So it's just amazing that you really, I mean, I feel like the nine months doesn't quite prepare you for what happens, like your body is shifting, but I feel like mentally you're not quite getting the preparation that you probably like hoped for. If that makes sense. Yes, because there isn't, I mean, there are things that you can do to prepare in terms of making friends with change. You know, your body is changing and your life is about to change. And those kind of practices, like keeping yourself in the present moment. And I know like meditation, it seems like it can be seem very difficult or far reaching for some people, but anything that brings you into the present moment is a great practice um, during pregnancy because then you can bring that into motherhood as well. But yeah, you're right. Like the, the change is so abrupt. Your baby arrives and everything in you changes. Your whole chemistry changes. Your view of the world changes. There's just so much shifting and you cannot you, there's there's no way to know how you specifically will respond to motherhood because we all have a general same experience as mothers, but everybody's unique lens is is unique. We all are going to have our own individual experience, right? Yeah, it's um, it's really amazing. I mean, it's it's the wildest, most wonderful, trying, challenging thing that I've ever done in my life, and mm-hmm. um, I feel. Like, I really do feel confident in this space, like probably the most confident that I've been in doing anything in my life. So it's almost like I've created this, this really strong sense of being throughout this, even though it has had challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's really nice to be able to just kind of like give myself the space to be like, you're doing a good job, you know, well done. He's thriving. Things are great. So yeah, you know, even though the tough moments come in, it is really sweet to be able to have those small wins like within yourself. And it is hard to find those moments for self-care. And that's a huge reason actually why I started this podcast. And I probably say this in every episode, but 
this podcast is about honoring the woman within the mother and you know creating a space for her to be seen and to be heard and I know you have amazing self-care tips as well um, that we can maybe get into a little bit but it is hard to find that space because you're you're hardwired to be caring for your child Mm -hmm. this really primal part of you so it is hard when that third individual kind of comes into the mix as it totally shifts the the dynamic of you of your relationship so I mean what are some of the things that are kind of you know happening within mom in general when this third individual comes in like from your experience because I mean there's chemical shifts hormonal shifts you know all that kind of stuff Mm. I mean there is so much bliss for moms but I also know that mothers put so much pressure on themselves to we all have this idea before we become a mother of what how we're going to be as a mom or how we're going to feel. And I think often that the expectation and the reality, it's hard for them to match. Uh, And, and they, they may eventually meet up the expectation and the reality, uh, but it takes time to get there, right? There's such a learning curve. And so I, I hear a lot of mothers um, being hard on themselves and feeling guilty for, this, this word, these words, not good enough come up so much. And I just, uh, I like, there's so many, you know, what would you say to your, to your younger mother self? You know, when I ask mothers who are further along their journey and so many women just say, you are enough. You are exactly the mother that your child needs you to be. Yeah. Right. Like we just need that reminder and to find that gentleness with ourselves. It's, it is such a learning curve and it's such a process and we're not going to get it right all the time and we're not going to get it right every day. It's, it is a gray area. It is not black and white and we're always learning and growing along the journey. Absolutely. And, you know, especially those first like four weeks, I found the most difficult because I think you're just trying to figure out this new normal that you're in with all the hormones that you have going on in your body like depending on what kind of labor you had there could be pain um you know and then you're you're not sleeping like there's so many different aspects and I actually felt uh really lonely in those first couple of weeks Mm -hmm. because there was just things um you know that my partner couldn't really help me with Mm -hmm. and so it was I found those first four weeks really, really trying. I mean, now we're in much more of a rhythm and it's where our relationship is so much stronger, especially right now in quarantine, like we're spending all of our time together. So we're actually really getting to know each other, Mm. me and my son. Um, But it's tough. Like it's really tough in the, in those beginning stages. And I'm sure as, as you go through life with your child and they get older, there's ebbs and flows throughout everything, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, yeah, that loneliness is, is a big one, I think too, that you don't realize, like you think you have this kid and you do have this village around you, um, or at least I did that felt that was really helpful, but even within that, it was isolated. I felt isolated sometimes. Mm-hmm. That feeling of being alone in a crowded room. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cause no one can know what it's like to be you in like ever really in life Mm -hmm. but especially because there's so much newness happening for you that yes I understand that loneliness feeling 
yeah and I think there's also a lot of stuff happening with your partner as well like you know with dad mom whoever your partner is you know for for me I watched as my partner I think he took a longer time to connect to my son than I did like for me it was it was pretty instant but for him, he was like, I can't feed him. I can't soothe him. I don't know, like, what mm-hmm. to do. So I think he was playing a bit of catch up and and that was taking a toll on him in a different way. And, and I don't really think that we always shine a light on dad. So I don't know, maybe you can can sort of help bring a, a little a little glisten into maybe what's happening from a male perspective in those mm-hmm. first couple of weeks and months. Yeah, I love this because it it is nice to to shine a light on the male perspective or the the partner perspective as well because they're lonely as well right yeah. they're there and they're witnessing you know this you know the mother of their child and like seeing their them like the the mother and baby have this like amazing bond happening and yeah it can feel it can feel like you're part of it, but you're not part of it. Like the way you describe your partner's experience, right? Like that, a helpless feeling. Mm-hmm. And I often see, you know, the, the supportive partner role wanting to provide. And that is the place where they feel like they can find control. And right. that's how they can contribute, because there is a sense of helplessness and whenever all of us humans, whenever we feel helpless, we, we try to find any way that we possibly can to feel like we're in control. And, and so I see a lot of uh, partners who are in that supportive role, like diving into being the provider for their family and showing up in that way, even leading up to the baby's arrival. That's very common. Uh, you know, like, as women, we like want to nest and get everything ready around the house. And then often the partner wants to make sure that like everything is stable or, you know, like the steady income. I have like the insurance in place or, uh, you know, the car seats or whatever it is, you know, like mm-hmm. it's interesting how and both roles are so important, right? Like they're yeah. it really is. It takes a village. It takes a team to to raise <laughs> to raise a little one yeah. so yeah so there's it's interesting I love that you were you use that word lonely because you felt lonely but I know a lot of men or the supportive partner often feel lonely too so it's really it brings up a lot of stuff I think within you as a person too to just witness and acknowledge and and to work through all of those things so you know this little human comes in and kind of awakens a lot of stuff even though you may not have even realized they were there mm-hmm. um so it's it's quite incredible and mm-hmm. um i actually i'm so excited to talk about your analogy of the seasons mm-hmm. in relationships and maybe we can just like jump straight into that because it is incredible like for for everyone listening the seasons are so cool. So please just just give us a quick uh, breakdown there. Yeah. So I designed the relationship seasons because, you know, we have this way of like judging ourselves and criticizing maybe where we are on our relationship journey. And I was like, how can we just be more loving and be able to name where we are without judgment and look at it more objectively 
and then use it as information to, to inform our decisions and how we act in the relationship where we are along that journey. So I, I created the seasons for that reason. So if you think about the seasons of the weather, you know, uh, uh, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer, whenever you're in a season, well, I'm here in Toronto. I know that you're in Barbados, so it's a, it's a little bit different. But even for you, like you've got your rainy season, you've got like you still have your own seasons. But, you know, I'm going to use the Northern Hemisphere as an example. But, you know, right now we are in spring and spring is between winter and summer. And so some days it is sunny and gorgeous and you're out gardening and it's just beautiful out and the sun is shining on you. And then the next day, it is cold and rainy, but you still know that you're in the spring season. So the reason, <laughs> so I'm using this analogy, and I do the same thing with the relationship seasons. So the four relationship seasons are coping, coasting, connected, and confident. So even though you may be in, and I'll describe them in a minute, but even though you may be in the coping season, you will still have glimpses of like really wonderful days and and then also some really hard days, but you still know overall that you're in the coping season. So, and it just helps to inform like, oh, that's where I am. And now this is what I can do to help myself. So when you're in the coping season, there is an external or an internal factor that is consuming all of your time, energy, and resources. So having a baby, for example is both an internal and external factor, right? Yeah. Uh, that pulls all of your time, energy, and resources. And so whenever that happens, it takes away from how much time you have for your relationship. And so like some other things that could put you in the coping season could be like a move, a change in jobs, a death in the family, a global pandemic, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, these are all like big life things that can put a couple into the coping season. Some internal factors would be like a breakdown of trust, uh, withholding of information, an affair, or just sometimes um, a, like a long feeling or an extended feeling of not being heard or understood by your partner over an, like years and years can lead to an internal breakdown. So anyways, there's multiple factors that can put you in the coping season. And when you know you're in the coping season, then you know, okay, we're in the coping season. We know that seasons don't last forever, right? Just like the weather, we will move through the seasons. And this is, we know we're in coping. So how can we help ourselves in the coping season? So here's the thing in the coping season is that we as humans are meant to be supported and to live in villages and community and in a herd. We are herd animals. And so as a couple, when you have a baby, I'm going to use this example because this is where we are on, on the journey, is like when you have a baby, for example, back in, back in the day, you know, in Europe, they would build squares where people would gather. These were actual structures that were built and designed where people would come together. There would be the fountain and everybody would come together and wash their clothing and there would be like um, young and old gathering together in that same place. And so when you're in the coping season, it's so important to have your village and to receive support from your community. Because when two people only lean on each other in the coping season, 
they're not able to fully be there for each other because you each as new parents are going through so much. Your sense of self is changing so much every day with a new baby in the house that if you are only leaning on each other, your couple will collapse. And that does not mean that you don't love each other or that you're not doing a good job. It just is reflective of us being humans and we are not designed to do things alone. So uh, leaning on your community in the coping season is so important. Calling a friend and just knowing you can have someone to talk to, leaning on your therapist, asking someone to come and help with meals, hiring someone if you're able to do so. I mean, uh, there's there's so many ways to get support and that's going to look different for every family, but that is so key in the coping season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm de- we're definitely in that. And when would you say like typically what's that kind of time frame when you're thinking coping um, from a, a baby perspective? You know, it really does depend on on the couple. I can't I can't give you a specific yeah, time. <laughs> well, also, because if you end up having a baby within two years of that of, of your first baby, you're going to go back into the coping season again. Yeah. So you might like I would say between one and four years, you could right. be you could be mainly in the coping season. I'm not saying every day, all day will be coping, but uh, there's there's so much going on in those early years, and your kids need a lot from you. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it depends on the couple. Absolutely. And so then, what are ways that you can? I don't know, maybe like make time for each other within coping. Well, in the coping season, you, your most important job is to take care of yourselves as individuals. I know that seems like anti uh, relationship, but it's not. We know from our experience is like when we aren't taking care of ourselves, we often resent the people closest to us. So if you are, you know, you might want to spend time with your partner, but you might need to sleep more. That might be the most important thing that day, and that's okay. But what matters is just talking to each other through the mess of it all. Like, I really want to hang out with you, but I really so need to sleep. But just know that I love you. Even just saying, the, like, it's so simple, like three yeah. simple sentences, but communicating the longing, um, I see you, I love you, and I think it's just so important for us to sleep right now, right? Like, it's... It's so simple, but it's it's communicating through the discomfort and finding moments like that might just look like snuggling in bed before falling asleep together. And that's okay. It might be saying three things that you're grateful for uh, at some point during the day as you're passing the baby off. You know, it's it's going to look a little bit different, but staying in connection through your words can be really, really powerful in the coping season. Mm, yes of course that's yeah I think it's harder than you think sometimes to communicate like it's easy to be like we need to communicate more and be open with each other but you know and I I do this all the time I actually I said this to my partner today because I was really excited for this conversation and I um, was saying you know I preach communication like I'm like we need to communicate we need to talk better But if I'm being really honest, between the two of us, he is the better communicator. Mm. Like he's way more open, like, okay, this is bothering me. 
um, let's talk about it. Whereas for me, if something's bothering me, I actually keep it in or I try and fix it myself. Like, you know, I have that I probably have a little bit of an issue with control. Mm. Um, but I think that it is easier said than done to communicate. But having those those really simple examples are really powerful. Like just telling your partner that you love them. Like you don't mm-hmm. really think that you need to do that, but when's the last time in the coping season that you said mm. that? If I think back to those first four weeks when our son just came into the world, I don't know how much we sh- we told each other we loved each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, just those simple, simple phrases and you know, the, the three things to be grateful for. I love that. You know, when, when my partner comes home, I definitely want to just start doing that and bringing that, that the simplicity of communication because it doesn't have to be a, a huge, deep conversation, does it? No, this is, this is exactly it. So we have this, you know, we like to compartmentalize, like now we're having family time. Now we're having work time. Now we're having our couple time, right? Like we, we, we like to put things in boxes and we don't have to put things in boxes. We can, we can be parenting and still communicate about our relationship with our, with our children around. Right. And it can be just a few minutes, like even just taking five minutes. And I am such a huge fan of daytime dates and a date can be as simple as put the baby down for a nap, have 15 minutes talking on the couch while you actually have a little bit of energy, right? Not waiting until the end of the day when you're probably more tired and have less to give each other, right? Like try to find moments where you're both filled up. That's in the ideal world and that's not always going to happen. But if you can try and aim for those moments, it's going to be easier for you to connect when you're filled up. Uh, each as individuals, right? Yeah. So it it doesn't have to be like a two hour date night out and doing anything fancy. It's really about staying connected in the day to day moments of life. And like I said, just communicating through it all, even yeah. just naming how you feel in that moment, like keeping it like we touched on earlier, like staying in the present. Oh my gosh, right now I'm feeling so frustrated. Or, you know, even thinking about intimacy, you know, oh my gosh, like I want, I want to get it on and I have no energy and I feel like I'm letting you down as a partner and I I don't don't feel good about that and I miss that part of myself. Like just naming these things out loud, you cannot imagine how much connection that brings to a couple, even by naming the hard things out loud, especially by naming the hard things out loud. So it's better out than in. It really, really is. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And, um, and then what does coasting look like? So coasting, coasting is when there is nothing urgent that means you're, that's not pulling your immediate attention But what ends up happening in coasting is that you're really great at creating family time now. You're out of the coping season and you found your rhythm a little bit and and you're like, yeah, we're good. Everything's good. We're good. And so typically what I see in the coasting season in in like the average average family is like, all right, um, parents are working during the week. Weekends is like everything is scheduled on the weekends and totally filled up by having quality time as a family. And that tends to be the focus in coasting season because there's nothing telling us that, oh, like we, we should make time for a couple now. 
right? Because we've just come out of coping season, which was very difficult to make the time. And so that pattern of not making time has now continued into coasting. There's nothing really wrong. There's no real reason to, you know, make an extra effort in our relationship. We're fine. But this is the thing with coasting is that um, you can stay in coasting of all the seasons. This is like the high alert season for me. You do not want to stay in the coasting season for a long time because that's when you see the empty nest syndrome happen. That's when you see people who have just let their relationship sit on the back burner for a really long time, for years and years and years, and then the kids leave and they're like, oh my gosh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's great to move from coping to coasting, but I, it's it's also a reminder that like, okay, this is the time we need to get back on board with helping each other make time for self-care, to make sure you're each other's biggest cheerleaders and like, yes, I'm going to help you make that time to go to that yoga class. Or my husband is a huge cyclist and I am like his biggest cheerleader when it comes to going, taking his rides. He needs to get on his bike. It's like his therapy. Um, He comes back a better person. But like that in the coasting season, those are the kind of habits we want to be building. Like I see you as an individual and I want to help you be your best self because I know that when you're your best self, then you sh- you can be better for us, uh, for our family, and for our relationship. Like that's that's what needs to happen in the coasting season. It's like really seeing each other and showing that with your actions. Yeah, and I think what's um, sort of interesting that you just said about coasting is it's almost like you're unaware that there's an issue, mm-hmm. beneath, so you're not really seeing beneath the surface because the top looks good. Yeah. Like right. we're good. We don't have like we're sleeping through the night now. Uh yeah. you know, uh, we're not we arguing. Perhaps yeah. you're not yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like there isn't anything urgent telling you like exactly what you said that there's anything wrong because there isn't anything wrong. Things are relatively okay, but just like every relationship, we want to be proactive and preventative. You know, we like to like put good things in our body and be proactive and preventative in our health. And it's the same thing with our relationship. We want to be intentional with, with uh, being proactive and preventative in our own relationship health too. Yeah. Would you say that like in the coasting stage, that's where you see the most um, sort of like breakage of relationships? Well, often, yeah, 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 it's when people have sat in the coasting season for a while and and they haven't been able to say out loud the messy things because yeah. and everybody has their own reason for that, right? Like be, depending on their own family of origin and what they've they've learned through witnessing their own parents relationship. But we do have a a common thread. I know a lot of people struggle with. Uh, confrontation. They want to avoid conflict and confrontation. And I want to just tell you that the sooner you can get past that fear, the sooner you can get close to connection. Because when you just communicate who you really are and your real honest needs, obviously in a loving way, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that brings you so much closer to each other. When you avoid your truth and bringing your full self to the relationship because you're afraid it might hurt someone's feelings or you might let them down or you might not get the answer you want. Uh, you're, 
it's almost like preventing your partner from from being from like getting to know you right and that's I know it's so scary it's really vulnerable to speak your full truth but that's how you get into real deep connection with each other is is by not being afraid of of uh of communicating through the mess because it's really hard to do that because you don't yeah yeah, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings you know there's also even like I think it's cool that you just mentioned as well that you're that building that connection with yourself because sometimes you're not even in tune with you know what maybe what you want from your partner yes like what do I need yeah what what do I need right yeah um and for coasting like do you have any sort of like perhaps maybe trigger is not the right word but like what are a couple signs that maybe you are like if you're not aware that you're in the coasting stage what would be some sort of like flags to let you know mm, you probably are coasting like Mm. you just bring some awareness to (laughs) your I don't know I don't know if that even makes sense (laughs) yeah I would say if you are feeling if you're feeling super comfortable which is a great thing in a relationship, but you're comfortable, but you also have not made an effort to express or show your love to your partner recently. Mm. Uh, that would be that would be an example, right? And I think as well, sometimes you can feel a bit like you're with your best friend, mm-hmm. and I, that's a beautiful thing too. But I think sometimes it that passion lacks. So you have this like wonderful partnership, but then mm-hmm. sometimes you're you're missing that like excitement. Would yeah. that be coasting? Yeah, that yeah that that was, that could be coasting, right? Right. And then, um, how do we move from coasting to connected? So coasting for sure, like I said, you need to make sure that you guys are being each other's biggest cheerleaders with yeah. self care, and I like. Like I said earlier, you know, a lot of things change and we don't know what self-care looks like. What even is self-care? And now that I'm a parent, I don't know what that looks like. And so this is the bedrock of a thriving relationship is understanding your own self-care. And so I actually have a free self-care toolkit that it's a little eight minute video that's designed for couples to watch together so that you can be using the same language, be on the same page and like I said, be each other's biggest cheerleaders in helping self-care happen. Uh, because as you move through the, the other seasons, self-care is, like I said, it's the bedrock. It, it's, it's part, it's a foundational piece as you move through all of the other seasons. So yeah, we can put the link to that in the show notes because it's a, gr- it's a really wonderful tool and it really sets you up to be connected and, yeah. and set that solid, solid foundation as a couple. So- yeah, go ahead. Oh no. oh, no, I was just going to say like for, I was just thinking of an example in my head of um, self-care. Like my partner is really good. Like he loves to fish. Mm. So he's really good at, at taking the time for himself to go and do that. But what I find happening within me is I am almost a little bit resentful of him. Like when he tells me he wants to go fishing, in my mind, I'm almost mm. taking it as like, 
well, you're just trying to escape from the family. Like, what, you're just going to leave me here to do this by myself? Mm-hmm. So I'm actually not being a good cheerleader. I'm, And it, it does cause rifts between us sometimes. And I, I mean, I know that's internal for me. It's like I'm putting this on him, but it's, it's, it's like my own shit that I have to deal with. But I don't, I think wonder, or I wonder if it's because I haven't found that for me. Yes. Britt, that's so honest. And <laughs> I, it's so honest. I was the same way. Like my husband would go every Saturday morning, go on these like four hour bike rides. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're the worst ever when yeah. he would go out. And, and the resentment comes because we're not carving out the time for us. And it's because we like exactly what you said. You're not quite sure like what is self-care for for you right now, right? And then, and when you can get clear on that, then you can ask for it and likely your partner will want to help you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's super common for one person to be better at it than the other one. Uh, And like... Yeah. So it's great. And he knows, he knows like, okay, fishing feels good for me. I'm going to carve that time out for myself. And he's doing that unapologetically because he knows that he needs that. Right. Yeah. And, and has he offered, has he said to you, okay, like, what do you, do you want to do something for yourself? Like go take some time. Has he said those things to you before? Mm, Probably not. I mean, if he has, I might not have heard him, but Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't think I really remember. I think he's really good at like he's quite an independent person and and so am I in in our in different ways like mm-hmm. I don't think that we really um I don't think we really rely on each other that much in terms of the relationship but definitely I think it also might have to do with the fact that he works away a lot so mm-hmm. I feel like a lot is on my plate when it comes to our son at the moment and we're just providing in different ways like I'm providing my time with the family and he's out there working to provide stability for our family so we're both parenting in different ways right now Mm -hmm. but I think what what happens with me is when he comes home and he starts to ask for this self-care I'm like hello like I need it too and you know I forget that he's also been gone isolated from his family and friends and of course he wants self-care he hasn't had that so mm-hmm. it's like this awareness that I need to bring in the relationship between us because I internalize it as but what about me because I feel like obviously I'm missing that connection and I don't know I don't know where to find that within myself but what about me yes. what about me <laughs> No, but this is, I'm sure this is resonating for so many people listening. It's so common. And, and you said it so beautifully. You said you empathized with him that, oh yeah, he's been away and he's been away from his friends and family. And yeah, he does need that too. And that is that empathy. And what you just described is those are the, that, those are the connecting moments. Mm-hmm. That is where you meet. You both need it. He needs it and you need it. It's not that one of you needs it more than the other or that one is more deserving. You're both deserving of that time. And as soon as you can meet in that place and realize, oh my gosh, yeah, we we both do need it. And it and like to not translate it as what about me? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that time. And I think also as women, it's hard to to take the time. Like sometimes we ask for it or we're waiting for someone to offer it to us. No, 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 no. We need 
to own it. We need to take it. No one is going to lay out a red carpet for us. We have to do it. Yeah, that's so true. Because I really, I do think we do that. Like, I just almost expect that he's like, oh, hey, let me take Maverick for a moment and you go and do this thing. And it's like, why am I waiting for him to ask me that question? It's not on him to ensure that I have self-care time. It's on me. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, you're going to watch the self-care video together and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, it's so easy. We get it. Trust me. <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, don't worry. Everybody listening, I will make sure that you guys have access to the self-care toolkit. So good. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so let's, so you're finding that connection actually through self-connection. Yes. And then you're finding that commonality with each other. And I suppose you're just filling up your own cups separately and then coming together. Yes. Um, and does that then bring you into confidence into that final season? Uh, so connected is next. Oh, so, sorry. No, it's okay. So we've gone coping, coasting, connected. So connected season is when you're starting to get your self-care practice is like a no-brainer. You're doing that regularly. You're helping right, each right. other. Your kids are seeing you do this. This is very much a part of your regular um, schedule. And and again, this is so important. You're modeling this for your kids. Your kids need to see you making that time and seeing you supporting each other in taking the time. Like it all comes around full circle. Like remember you taking care of yourselves um, is like giving back to your kids. You think about, okay, what kind of relationship do I want for my children when they grow up? And you're stepping into that relationship. You're modeling it for them now in the present, right? So connected is, like I said, awesome self-care. You guys have that under control. And now you get to start exploring your family and relationship vision. And I love this, this, this season because it's, it's when often we, you know, you, you meet somebody and your values are aligned and you're like, yeah, we want to start a family and we want to build a home and a life together. And often we don't have much of a vision after that we're like we'll have kids and then and then what's the vision next right there isn't much for a lot of people like they're not like then we're gonna do this and then we're gonna do that. no like often that's where the vision has an end point or it's or the vision after having kids is is foggy and unclear and so this is where you get to put that vision into more focus so you get to figure out what do we want for our family and for our couple in the next five to 10 years. And uh, in my uh, monthly membership program, Couple Sandbox, I guide my members through their relationship and family vision. And it's, it's amazing to hear the things that people come up with when they actually sit down together and take the time and look at, oh, okay, this, this kid is going to be this old uh, in one year. And then the, and then, oh, okay, in whatever, 2025, they're going to be 5, 10, and 8. And, and we're having our 10-year anniversary that year. And like really looking at it in detail uh, for the whole family is really, really cool. But it's, you can't jump to that when you're in the coping season. Do you know what I mean? Like it really does build uh, to be able to talk about those things and get excited about those things together. And even if you just think like societally as well, just for a moment, like 
the stories and stuff and the movies and things that you hear like and then they get married and have kids the end mm-hmm. right so it's funny because you don't even really think about the next part and my dad always used to say this when I was little because obviously I'm a little girl and I love fairy tales and he would always tell me the wedding is just the beginning and uh, so yes I, yeah he's a cool he's a cool dude but oh, what a great dad <laughs> but he's always I think he was just trying to bring the um well I guess he's also been married for like 35 years so I think he knows he's like no <laughs> babe the wedding is just the beginning the kids are just the beginning there's so much after that but I don't think there's enough talk about it because you're just every movie yes. you see is okay they get married and then that's it movie done we don't see the rest we don't see the struggle we don't see the the coping the coasting we don't see those different seasons yes I'm so I love that you're naming this because it really really is the beginning of this whole life and this this journey through your relationship and I also I don't know if you can relate to this but where are the role models and the examples of old love that we can really celebrate, right? There's so many in like in, in media, there's so much representation of like lustful love and like exactly what you said that then they live happily ever after and they have babies and the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like we need more examples of how amazing it feels to be in a long-term committed partnership where you've, you know, poured yourself into each other and, and loved each other and accepted each other and been through hard things together and grown through those. Like there's something so deep and special in that kind of connection. Uh, and I, I don't know, I feel like we're missing those role models. Yeah, I agree. Because I'm sure, you know, they, I mean, just like my parents have had two kids, but even within that, like 35 years together is a long time. And I'm sure that they've gone through all four seasons multiple times wouldn't you like it's not like you just go through it once and then that's it exactly yeah yeah so yeah there definitely needs to be more representation of that and an honest look because it's not perfect there's a lot of work that goes into these things and and I think it's also hard sometimes like I mean I don't know how you feel on this but even giving that honesty to your kids because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes that perfection like quote-unquote perfection is what you're portraying to your children so they're maybe not even getting an honest viewpoint of what a relationship looks like because I think that happens too is the first sign of struggle you're like oh okay gotta go peace but (laughs) maybe there needs to be a little bit more honesty in the way that you're expressing that to your family I don't know that just came to my mind (laughs) well no it's a great point and I do think that there is a middle ground for this like you you want to you want to make sure that you are able to support yourself that you are not leaning on your children to support you through your marital challenges obviously but I need to say it um but also there's the other the other end of the spectrum which is you know acting like everything is fine all the time and you know, anybody knows that they know their own parents better than their parents know themselves, right? Mm. Like you, you know, you know, by like a tone of voice or some body language or an eye roll, you know, you can read your parents so well. And that's because as children, we can, we we're in tune with our parents. It's, it's our survival. They're our people, they're our caregivers, right? Yeah. And so even when things are 
we think we're keeping things from our kids, they can feel it. They feel all of it. So it's so important to, it's okay to have ruptures in front of your kids. It's okay to have conversations and arguments with, with your partner in front of your kids. What matters more than anything is showing them how you resolve those ruptures show them that like often like parents are like oh we want to figure it out behind closed doors and yes of course if it's getting super heated then of course and it might be adult conversation and things that are not meant for little ears but it's okay even if you you do figure your stuff out uh, after the kids go to bed to like talk about it at breakfast the next morning like yeah things were a little bit you know tense between us last night but we talked about it and everything's okay but we just wanted to let you guys know that we had a really good talk about it. it yeah. th- that's all it takes, right? It is, it's letting them know that, yeah, it was hard and you probably felt that. And we want to let you know that we worked through it together. Because that's such an incredible um, like point too, is you do hear, you probably hear most of the time the rupture. Yes. But you don't see the reconciliation. So you're not Mm -hmm. watching. You're not learning what communication looks like. You're not learning what the resolve is. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what that's what breeds um, the fear of conflict. Right. Right. Because we never saw it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we saw the we, we felt the tension. We felt the the rupture. And then we but then we didn't see it resolve. Right. And sometimes maybe it didn't get resolved too. I mean, that's also, that can be true as well. So in those moments, when you do have a resolution, include your kids in it, right? Bring them in on it. It's so good for them. Okay, cool. So we, so now that's connected. That's connected. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're really connected. Yeah. And things are great. And you're working together on your family relationship vision. Uh, And then in the confidence season, this is when, you know, you've built, you've, you've got your pyramid, you've got your, your self-care foundation is really strong. You're working towards your family and relationship vision actively. Uh, so that means you're working together towards this, a shared vision, which is really, really powerful. And now you get to really focus on getting clear on your intimacy vision. Mm. And intimacy is, is so much. It's so much more than just the physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is huge, uh, but it's like your your spiritual, your intellectual, your physical intimacy. There's there's so many different layers to intimacy that we that you know we often don't explore even within ourselves. So how can we communicate that to our partners? So when you're in that confidence season, it's when you get to, yeah, really explore that within yourself and in the relationship which is super super fun I mean I guess it's like is it possible that you can be jumping like say you're coping coasting connected but something happens and you're back to coasting again or like is it just this new is it I mean I, I think it sounds a bit like a like you're really just bringing this extra layer of awareness into your relationship to sort of identify these things that are happening right exactly so it's it's being able to say it's it's giving you language to keep your relationship top of mind instead of like we talked about in coasting just putting it back on the back burner and just 
you know, we'll get to it eventually. It's being able to check in with each other and having that common language. Okay, where are we? Are we coasting? Are we, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like we're really, really confident right now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what? Somebody might have a change in job and you might realize, oh my gosh, like we are back in coping. But the really amazing thing is like when you go through all of the seasons, and I love that you used your parents as an example. They've probably been through the seasons lots and lots of times, and that's true. So even for your relationship, the more you go through all four seasons, the more resilience you're building, the more confidence you're building in your ability to work through each of the seasons, you're getting more tools in your toolbox every time you go through all the seasons. Because often we can we go through the seasons, but we're not naming them, and we're not identifying what we need in each of those seasons. So when you're able to name them, it's adding, it's bringing a mindfulness to your process, to your, your relationship process. And that is where the growth happens. Oh my gosh. Well, we're, we're already at like almost an hour. And I, <laughs> I know. I know. Like I could talk to you forever, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe what we can do is, um, I guess like is there any like little bits of or words of advice or tips that you can provide for for people who might be in their in their uh coping season right now like I mean I know we kind of talked about you know creating that space for yourself or communicating like those small little um those simple things those simple words but any just like quick tip yeah so I just want to remind you that the challenges in your relationship can be your greatest opportunity for growth and deeper connection. So just don't be afraid to lean into those challenges. And like I said earlier, just be in the mess uh, because that's where some amazing things can happen in your relationship. And you can get super, super close as you work through the challenges. And quality time can be as simple as five minutes together of not talking about the house or the kids or work, right? Five minutes of just taking genuine interest in each other as people. Yeah. I actually, oh, I do have one last question that kind of ties in with what you just said. Is Mm -hmm. I think like, how do you create separation between parenting and partnership? Because I think it's really easy to, when you create that alone time, that quality time to then be talking about your kids or be talking about bills or rent or Mm -hmm. like some of the more, I don't even know the, the word for it, but like utilitarian things within your relationship. So mm-hmm. is is that because I feel like then that becomes not so much connection or maybe it is. I, I don't know. I mean, that is part of your relationship uh, when you are sharing a household and sharing children together. You know, you do have to have those conversations about schedules and details. Yeah. Those do need to happen. So I think it's a great question. How do we how do we separate those? Yes, you need to have those conversations. But yes, you need to have other conversations that are about fun and yeah. uh, exploration and curiosity about each other. Because remember, I think we we get into that, like in the coasting season, we just assume that we know everything about each other. And the reality is we're always changing. We're always growing just a little bit every day. And we need to stay curious about each other and remind ourselves of that. So stay curious. That is like a very simple 
phrase to, to, to keep, uh, to keep reminding yourselves of in your relationship, stay curious. And also think about how, how good it feels on the receiving end when somebody, especially your partner takes interest in you and is curious about you in that genuine, authentic way. Yeah. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that. The last thing I, I did, I mentioned this to you that I did like a little Q&A on my um, social media. Um, and actually, basically every response that I got kind of was about how to cope with struggles in your relationship during the pandemic where you are together 24 seven. So I think a lot of people are really finding a tough time to um, resolve. I don't think people are used to actually spending this much time with each other mm-hmm. when things are normal. You know, you're going out to work, you're doing all these different things. And I mean, if we're being really honest, probably your actual alone time together is a very small amount in comparison to like all of the hours in the week. Mm-hmm. So a few people, it seems like they're having a hard time with their relationship in in coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you have any quick words of advice for <laughs> for for my followers. <laughs> yeah, so the well in the pandemic, I mean, that's putting every relationship into the coping season. And when you're in the coping season, it magnifies whatever already exists in your relationship. Right. So the really great things and also the things that are challenging or that may irritate you about each other. And knowing that you're spending all of this time together, all of that stuff is being magnified, right? And we feel often it can be two things. Often we feel like we're resenting our partner or we're irritated by our partner. But in fact, it can also be, yes, it can be that you are genuinely irritated by your partner. That happens. But it can also be that you're missing yourself. And again, coming back to how can you make space for yourself, when we don't feel connected to who we are as individuals, it often comes out uh, as frustration towards the people around us. So again, going back to that self-care, how can you make even just a little bit of space apart from each other? It might be a walk around the block. It might be uh, closing the door and having a talk with one of your dear friends, right? It can, or a a bath with a book or whatever, you know, like finding small windows of time for you to restore yourselves separately. This yeah. is so important during this pandemic, especially. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time. And before we go, I just want to make sure that you you also share with everybody, you know, about your online sessions and workshops and how people can get in touch with you. And um, I'll also be providing the, you know, links to your website and all that kind of stuff. But if there's anything that you just want to shine a light on for yourself, like, please do so right now. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, I am opening doors for my monthly membership program, Couples Sandbox, very soon. So if you want to get the inside scoop on that, uh, go grab your free self-care toolkit because that will put you on the email list. And I send weekly emails with uh, relationship inspiration and tools and tips. So that's just a great way so that you have your own touch point too of like, oh yeah, I want to check in with my relationship. It helps you keep it top of mind as well. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I would say. <laughs> Head on over Amazing. to House and Hook. And I'm on Instagram a lot as well. I, I share a lot on stories uh, over there too. 
Awesome. So yes, everybody head over to House and Hook and follow her on Instagram, sign up for her emails and get involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, Allison, thank you so much. I really appreciate you and your time and just agreeing to do this episode with me. It just like warms my whole soul. So honestly, thank you so, so much. Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm so honored to be here uh, in this space with you. And I'm excited for you and your partner to come back together again. And oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when that will be, but hopefully soon. And, and we'll probably head right into coping. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have plenty of tools ready for you. we We will be ready for it. So thank you again so, so much. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to continue to bring these wonderful stories to your life. Meet Me Downstairs will always be a platform that supports and honors moms in whatever shape or form that they are in. So we can't wait to just continue this wonderful, epic journey together. All the best and we will chat with you on the next episode.